Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Welcome to the drawing room, a space for intimate and surprising conversations. I'm Andy Park. The character of actress Leonore was once a big deal in the Philippines film industry, creating the sort of action movies that were once turned out by the hundreds each year. Think Hong Kong's Jackie Chan movies crossed with South America's telenovelas. But when a freak accident leaves her in a coma, Leonore finds herself in one of her own films, walking in on sex scenes and preempting the lines before a fight. Leonore Will Never Die melds independent modern cinema with classic Filipino action and creates something entirely new and unique. Martika Ramirez Escobar is the film's writer and director and she's my guest in the drawing room. Welcome to you, Martika. Come on in, take a seat. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to ask you first up, what were the words and the phrases or the references or even tropes that you used when you were pitching and describing this movie to other people? Oh my God, that's so hard to answer. You actually pitched it very well in the introduction. <laughs> a little bit of Jackie Chan, a little bit of uh, high drama, high romance. But it's important to yeah. sort of give us a bit of a backstory for those who aren't familiar with Filipino cinema, just the sort of flavour of it. Um, I usually pitch it as a story about this grandma who falls into a coma after she gets hit by a television. But in the film, it's really this action grandma in an 80s Filipino action film. And in the Philippines, we love our action stars. And I realized that growing up, our president was a former action star. So back then I thought it was like something really normal. And so when I was writing this script, it was really, uh, the action genre felt right for, for the world to be in, where the action grandma would be. So how come these very mass, more like machismo type action films touched on something cultural and, I don't know, in the subconscious of the average Filipino? I'm thinking about the kind of Manny Pacquiao and how it seems yeah. like you guys love a strong action man, don't you? I know. And it's not just something that happens in the Philippines, but I think, you know, all over the world, there's star-studded politics. And in our last um, elections, recent elections, even the senator is uh, one of the most popular action uh, stars in, in the Philippines. So when I tried to ponder on it, what is it about uh, action films that makes us uh, love it so much? And perhaps it's because we see ourselves as people who need to be saved by a hero. I think that's one big part of it. And, you know, in, in the Philippines, it's just watching movies together on TV, in the cinema, wherever, even at the store. It's this uh, community thing. So it's something that's ingrained to us um, ever since. And I'm, I'm one of the people who have been affected by how, how movies shape us as people as well. Your movie does feel like a bit of a love letter to cinema. Where did your own love of cinema begin? Was it those family outings to the cinema complex on a Saturday afternoon to see Rambo or Jean-Claude Van Damme or anyone else? Definitely. It's more of um, cinema screenings with my family and I, I wouldn't want to say this but it's a lot of pirated DVDs as well. 
Um, growing up, I would have movie marathons with my cousins. We'd watch like 20 plus films. And I was always fond of using the camera. So when I was a, a little girl, my mom would lend me our video camera and I'd make films using my toys. And I think it, it was a natural fondness for what the camera can do. It can like capture the special moments. It can capture the things and objects you like. And you can watch it over and over again and even share it with your family. So I think my, my love for, for film started with my love for the camera. And even up to this day, I, I work as a cinematographer. So whenever I make films, it's really because I want to capture things in a camera more than telling a story, actually. I've heard that you cite Agnes Varda and even Charlie Kaufman as influences. Certainly in your work, there's a lot of humour and also a lot of, well, surreal moments, should we say. Uh, yeah. But you were sort of noting those references and, and I suppose it really does come through when we see your latest work, those influences such as Charlie Kaufman. Quite absurd at some, at, at some points. Yeah, absurd with an existential crisis, I yeah, must say. Yeah. I think it's how he he deals with his crisis in a cinematic form and using relatable characters. Whenever I watch his films, I feel that I am them. And when I was writing Leonor, it's really just a process. It's it's like therapy. I was trying to address the things I was feeling at the moment. And that's why this project itself took so long to take its form. Uh, eight years. Um, because I didn't know what to do with it. There were times that I didn't like the project. I hated it. I wanted to stop it. But, you know, I tried to see the project like as a friend who I want to like get along with. So eventually it was able to take its form. But I think a more important influence is Agnes Varda and how she sees little things as uh, big and meaningful uh, messages to, to the people. So I enjoy, I enjoy how she observes life in her films, even accidents like leaving her camera on or when she finds uh, a clock without a hands in in a thrift shop so and how she relates that to life so it's more of how they make sense of the connections they find in in life on one hand action films are always sincere in the sense they're never self-conscious they know what they are they're always uh, hyper masculine but then you know charlie kaufman and these sorts of influences mm -hmm. have these existential crises your yeah. film seems to do both and in the middle is a grandmother uh why did you want to introduce a grandmother into this sort of action film what appealed to you about that idea i just love grandmas they seem so wise, but maybe I'm just talking about my own grandma, who is really the person who inspires me to keep on creating. So she's my favorite artist. She's not recognized or anything, but she keeps on creating art just for herself and for the people she loves. And there's that sincerity in her that I truly admire. And it's something that I would like to have myself as, as well. So I think it's it's really my my own grandma who in, inspired me. And every time I feel that life sucks, I just talk to my grandma and she sort of redeems life <laughs> by talking to me. She she makes it feel so beautiful. 
even when in reality it's not so much. <laughs> yeah, grandmas do have a way of doing that, don't they? There, there is a lot of humour in Leonore's position within your story, but she's not, uh, you know, a laugh track. She's not, um, you know, the, 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 the butt of a joke. You approach her with yeah. emp- empathy. Uh, you didn't want to ridicule her, did you? No, not never. Uh, I wanted her to be a different form of an action star because in action films, we always have these uh, macho men who would like to solve the problems of the society through violence. But, you know, when you have a, a grandma solve these problems, she approaches it in a different way, in a more tender, more humane, more, uh, in in my opinion, like correct sense. It's uh, about treating people as people and then trying to solve through problems through conversations and letting people realize um, how much a, a good place the world can be if there were less violence. So it's, it's That's a, of that. a remarkable <laughs> statement uh, <laughs> when you're talking about an action film. And this is no ordinary action film. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, the loss of one of Lenore's sons is a grief that haunts the movie, sometimes mm-hmm. quite literally. Your own family story was a, a bit of an inspiration here, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it's my grandma again. She had a son who uh, got uh, passed away from an accident when he was around 25, same age as Ronaldo in, in the film. And she would tell me stories that there are times when she feels his presence. So in this film, I, I literally put him there, present with her. And in the, uh, the film, there are several different versions of Ron Waldo, the ghost version mm-hmm. of, of uh, your grandmother's son uh, in this film. The action movie hero, modern actors being cast for the role. Why did you choose to create so many versions of that ghostly character? Ron Waldo's versions is not just like the ghostly character. I wanted to place him in different forms just to show how we can revise and rewrite our lives as it's happening so in this film we can see leonore trying to change the decisions she's she she made before so it's her trying to rewrite that's why uh, ronaldo comes in different forms she wants to like take back the the trauma from of losing her son your film has a number of different gears or textures. Of you know, We've talked about the action movie part, the, the drama part, mm-hmm. the absurdist comedy part. What can you do in those different storytelling modes that you can't in the others? For example, what can you do in an action movie that you can't in an absurdist comedy? Oh, no. I have no answer for that because I don't really think about consciously think about those things when making a film even for the genre because after uh, finishing the film people will ask you what genre it is uh, especially when people are programming and then to be honest I never really I I still don't know what, what what type of film this is some people call it an action film some say it's a family drama and I think that's why um this film has this form and in the end, you'll see documentary parts of it. It's because I really don't know what it is. I often feel I often feel that it's its own life form. And now that the film is complete, it's actually living on its own. And I'm just like here to 
guided. <laughs> Somehow you hear talking about the film uh, m- might even be like a postscript to the actual film itself. On ABCRN, yeah. I'm Andy Park. Martika Ramirez Escobar is my guest here in the drawing room. We're talking about her film, Leonore Will Never Die. When it comes to the style of the action scenes, they mm-hmm. feel like they're a throwback to that earlier era of cinema. What are the sort of uh, techniques, if you like, to strike mm-hmm. that flavour, the, the, the sound, mm. the style, uh, e- even the sort of film stock or, or video stock? Right. I think it's just a close look uh, at the films made during that era. But how how the action parts in, in Leonore look like are mostly based on memory. Uh, growing up, I would watch a lot of these action films on television. And when we were trying to um, manipulate the image, the sound... In post-production, I just wanted it to mimic what I remember. And it's something that is familiar to a lot of people. I'm not sure if here in Australia it's the same. Uh, was there a, a trend of um, action film replays on TV in Look, the 90s? N- not, not necessarily. I think we very much got the Jackie Chan style of Hong Kong cinema with overdubbed voices mm. and uh, violent sounds, you know, like yeah. someone smashing a, a watermelon in a soundstage to create <laughs> the sound of a punch. And that sort of flavour definitely comes across in your film and your action sequences. There's also that uh, sort of film filter, if you like, called, called bad TV with the sort of graininess. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if it's still called that, but that is certainly a style, a deliberate style you chose to use here. Yeah, it, it, it is. And we had to be careful because it needed to feel right. If, if the mix was wrong, it would take that authenticity, the feeling of authenticity away. So we, we spent a lot of time. Um, I watched replays of action films again uh, which I haven't seen for a long time. Not pirated and this time of course. Not no. pirate. You know what's uh, interesting I'm not sure if that's interesting but a lot of the action films in the Philippines are on during the 70s and 80s are uploaded on YouTube mm. and I think these are people who have like copies of their VHS tapes and they transferred it and uploaded it on YouTube and there are so many people watching these films there. So I watched I watched those and um, I noticed that they were damaged as if they were transferred to probably a VHS tape and shown on TV. It's not the clean film um, copy. Of course, you're a debut director in the Philippines, yes. but the age of Filipino action movies is sort of changing. It's morphing into something new. What is the industry like today that you are now a part of? The industry now, today, people are more prolific because we have different platforms now, especially online ones. So during the pandemic, a lot of filmmakers, instead of, I thought thought we would have less films, but in reality, people started making more films because people were at home and they wanted to watch um, a lot of films. So it's in a good place. But I also miss screening films in in a cinema. Like for this film, we had to hold it back for like two years because I didn't want to have it online. So um, I think we're we're doing pretty well. But of course, I mean, there's always that struggle of um, having to or like needing to make films for content 
versus just wanting to make films that you want. So it's like the business side of, of film. So that's why a lot of films are being created because they need to have content for their, their platforms. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you started working on Leonore when you were, I think, 21. It's taken almost a decade to get to here. I can imagine a lot in the story and the script has changed. But I also would imagine in that formative years or decade in your life, you would have changed a little bit as well. When you look back at those first drafts, yeah. can you recognise the person that wrote them? No, I didn't change a little bit. I changed a lot. And I think all of us changed a lot in, in eight years. So do I still recognize myself? Yes, I do. And I think this film is like a capsule of my childhood. And the films I want to make in the future are very far from Leonor. I feel that, you know, this childhood filmmaker dream of mine is, is over and whatever I plan to make is is not even close to, to it. But it's it's also nice to see your personal growth with with the work. And it's not just my own growth, but also the team's growth. Because I brought I took them along with me as we were changing the project in the eight years, which is really nice to have. Leonore Will Never Die premiered at Sundance. It's now in Melbourne. This is your first time to Australia. Uh, what's it like seeing your story and uh, travel the world as, as you are travelling with it? What, it's, what is it like? It's strange because when we started making this film, I never expected it to get this far. I never even expected it to get made. It was... An ambitious concept. We got rejected from so many grants I applied for. Um, I at, at many points of my life, I thought this project was really like just silly and not even worth um, spending money for. But it's really my producers who um, pushed the project to be made. So I'm glad that I was able to finally, you know, make the film and every everything. Now it's just a bonus to making the film. I even never expected to even get in Sundance. We just submitted in Film Freeway. I just saw the deadline and we were we were lucky, I must say. But, you know, to just make the film is, is enough for, for all of us, even the whole team, because it's really a giant friendship project. Well, I'm very glad that uh, you and your producers persevered throughout that decade. Uh, the end result is something truly unique. Martika, it's been a pleasure to have you in the drawing room. Welcome to Australia and congratulations on your film. Thanks so much, Andy. Thank you. Martika Ramirez Escobar has been my guest in the drawing room and Leonor Will Never Die is screening as part of the Melbourne International Film Festival. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>